0: Good morning, everyone. We are glad you are here today to worship the Lord with us. Thank you. Through The waters, I will be with you, and when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, the flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you. I want to encourage you this morning if you are in a fire, if you um, feel that you're in a river sinking, the waves are about to sweep over you. I want to encourage you this morning to raise a hallelujah right in the midst of your storm
1: I raise a hallelujah
0: You are the chain-breaking God. And we worship you today, Father. Let's continue singing. You've been walking the same old road for miles and miles. You've been hearing the same old voice till the same old lines. If you're trying to find. Same old hole. You're
2: good? It's like a big, fresh breath there, breathing in Jesus, right? Scott came to our worship planning this week. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. And he brought a song that um, we just learned on Thursday that just really ministered to, I know for me and I think for everybody else on the team, but we're going to sing it over to you and later on we're going to have you join us after the sermon. But it really speaks to what Pastor Brian is to be teaching us this morning and really how amazing our god is he does some pretty amazing things we're just going to kind of sing this over you and let you soak it up and uh, you can just read along with the lyrics and kind of get familiar with it and later on you'll be able to just sing it to jesus as well There is no-
1: come every battle, cause I know that's where you the joy come every battle, I know that's where you'll be.
2: Lord Jesus we come to you this morning and we thank you for being the light in this world but the light in our own darkness Jesus we all have moments in our lives. that sometimes feel like we can't see to get out. But you come in and you rescue us. Lord Jesus, it may not be how we pray to be rescued, but you have a plan. And that plan sometimes requires us to walk through it. And Lord, I pray now for anyone in here that is battling, that you'll give them endurance, that you'll give them courage, that you'll give them encouragement, Jesus, to know that you're there, that you never leave us that you part the waters when necessary and that you stand and protect us from the fire. Lord, I just pray for Pastor Brian as he gets ready to come and bring us the word this morning. Lord, I pray that you will just anoint him. I pray he's dripping with your anointment this morning, Lord. And I pray that you will just speak through him and speak to our hearts, Lord. There are many of us in here going through fires and through different things and Lord, we need to be able to follow you freely because we're willing to so lord i pray that you'll free us up i pray that you'll bring the word boldly and strongly through pastor brian and i pray lord that we will be teachable lord we love you we thank you so much for loving us in a way that you just stand with us through it all you never leave us lord we thank you for that and we ask this all in jesus precious name
3: Continue in our time of worship, I'd like to invite our ushers to join me up here as we are preparing to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. What a blessing it is to be able to partner in the the work of the kingdom. Jesus, we honor you through our giving today, you are our provider. And we honor you today for the provision that has come to our family units represented in in this space and our church family as a whole. But We also thank you in advance for the provision that that is coming. You know our needs. We don't uh, inform you on any of our needs. So we... We do this today, and it's it's an act of faith, an act of trust. So take what we have to offer you today. Use it, bless it, multiply it, accomplish your kingdom purposes with it. Build your church with it, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. And as we're doing this, I want to remind us that we have electronic giving options for those that prefer to Use things like the cellular phone device. um, You can text to give, or you can go to our website and give right there on the website. Um, So if you're an electronically minded person that way, and kids, come on up and put your gifts in if you want, and then you can head out with Miss McKenzie to Children's Church. She's got some awesome stuff prepared for you today. Love having our kids in here with us for our worship time. A great thing. One other thing, I, I guess, in mentioning the kids, VBS is coming up very soon, and Miss McKenzie's uh, asked me to just mention we 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 could still use volunteers if you have been thinking about praying about or or, or have intended to. Put your name on the line there to help minister. It's just for a few days this year. Uh, All the stuff out there, um, as you came in the main entrance, there's a table out there that has all kinds of details and and opportunities for folks to minister uh, through our Vacation Bible School. It's a a pivotal event that we um, uh, put together every year we try to reach out to the community through uh, the teaching of the Word of God. So uh, what an awesome opportunity to, to serve just a short-term basis. Maybe, maybe you don't want to sign up to minister with kids all the time, but this is a great opportunity just to, you know, to, to get in with them a little bit. Um, so I pray that you would consider doing that. I want to invite you to the book of Daniel. The main text today will be in Daniel chapter 3, but we're going to take a peek at chapter 1 first. So if you brought your Bible, please open to the book of Daniel. If you didn't bring one, that's okay. We'll have it up on the screen for you as well. When we we get into this part of Scripture, we need to know that um, it's very important to understand the context. We are in what is known as the exile. In fact the the very beginning of the book of Daniel describes a little bit of the exile. What the exile is is simple. Um Israel, the nation of Israel as a whole which was in, divided into two kingdoms at this point it, when it came to its end, the northern and the southern kingdoms, but they were still Israel as a whole. They were they were they were framed out by their territory, by their land and and its central part was was the temple in Jerusalem where, where they would gather together to worship. Of course, the temple held the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy of Holies, and this was God's dwelling place. This was, this was how Israel functioned for hundreds of years until Nebuchadnezzar comes in and, and wipes out Jerusalem, wipes out the temple, and brings Israel into what is known as the exile. Um, Exile is probably not a word that you use this past week, would be my guess. If if you're trying to catch an image of what that would be like, you know, you can maybe uh, use, like, the Dark Ages, even though the Dark Ages refers to a whole different period of time. Think of, like, Israel's darkest period in history as a nation, and this would be what it was. If you were to ask one of them what that was, uh, ho- obviously the Holocaust but we're, w- would be probably worse, but that's contemporary time frame. Biblical times, this would be Israel's darkest history, the exile. And what the exile does is interesting because it, it some, some people are able to stay in their homes, but there's a lot of scattering that happens. Uh, so lots of people are killed, and then some are taken into captivity. And when we read through Daniel we're going to read about some of those that are in captivity. So they're not in the region of Jerusalem or Israel, but they, they've been pulled into the region of Persia, okay? And, and, and they're in captivity. They, they are serving King Nebuchadnezzar, or, or there's a couple of other kings that follow him. Um, and, and that's what the book of Daniel represents. Now, I, I would say this about the exile. Um. And this is a phrase that's going to kind of come through several times. So let me, let me just throw this phrase out here, and then we're just going to kind of linger on it. Sometimes it takes a special kind of a darkness to allow the bright light to really shine. If that's something you want to write down, I would encourage you to do so. Sometimes it takes a special kind of a darkness to really allow the light to shine bright. When the, when the exile happens and, and, and Israel is dispersed, um, I would propose that it never really comes back to its original condition. It never really comes back to its original place. Now, about 70 years later or so, somewhere in that time frame, um, Nehemiah comes back and he restores the temple walls and restores the temple. and 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 Jerusalem is restored, and that's the way it looks when Jesus shows up on the scene and begins to walk the streets of, of Israel, okay? But even at that point, Israel is not really restored to its, um, its territories. Uh, people have been scattered, and, and, and so what happens is um, these Jews that are scattered, they, they begin to set up synagogues in their areas for worship. So even by the time that Jesus shows up on the scene, that's a pretty normal thing. And what happens is three times a year, the, the, there's three feasts a year that they all come, they travel in from wherever they're living to, um, to worship, okay? Passover, Pentecost, uh, Feast of Tabernacles, those are the three times a year. Now, what we know is when they gather in together, there's lots of different languages, lots of different monies. You remember, for instance, when Jesus goes into the temple and he overturns the money changers' tables, why are the money changers even there because jews are coming in from other places other regions with different kinds of money to offer sacrifice so the money changers were necessary it gives us a sign okay that once the exile happens things don't really ever come back to the way they were think about acts chapter 2 the day of pentecost when all the believers are together in one place the holy spirit comes on them fills them they walk out of the upper room and the people that are around, because they've all gathered in for the Feast of Pentecost, um, they begin to ask questions. What's going on here? And as Peter begins to address them, speak to them, or preach to them, he's preaching in one language, but they all hear him in their own language. Now, we usually think about a different aspect of that story, but I want us to tie it to the fact that this is a reflection of this new normal. Okay, The new normal being that the exile caused them to scatter. And even though they rebuilt the temple, not all of them come back into that old framework. We're functioning. This is really the beginning of a new kind of normal, okay? But again, I would reiterate, sometimes it takes the darkness, a special kind of darkness, to allow the light to really shine through. I think that's true for the story that we're going to read today. Raise your hand if you're familiar with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right? Probably one of the most familiar biblical stories that exists. Um, This is a story that we hear about right from the get-go in church nursery and Sunday school it's going to be one of the most familiar scriptural stories. It's really interesting to me because it's a story that happens in these dark ages, this, this period where the darkness is so dark, and yet this story comes shining through in a mighty, mighty way. I would suggest even that, uh, had, of course, had the exile not happened, There would be no space for experiences like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But we pick up the reading right in chapter 1. I want us to look at a couple of verses here. Six and seven, I believe. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Let's pause there for a moment. These are their God-given names. These are the names that they were given that reflect the glory of God. In fact, I want to read to you what these names mean because I I find this to be quite pivotal. So I'm going to open up my notes here. Daniel. Daniel's God-given name means God is my judge. God, Yahweh. Yahweh is my judge but look what happens verse 7 the chief official gave them new names to Daniel the name Belteshazzar so Daniel means God is my judge Belteshazzar means bells or beels prince taking away the God given name and, and directing it towards the prince of darkness Himself. Hananiah. Hananiah's name actually means beloved by the Lord. Beloved by the Lord. The chief official gives him the name Shadrach, which means illumined by the sun god. Starting to see a pattern deflecting from here straight into idolatry. Mishael. Mishael means who is as God. Who is as God. Mishael's name was changed to Meshach, which means who is like Venus. Azariah. Azariah's name means the Lord is my help. The Lord is. Is my help, a powerful name, was changed to Abednego, meaning servant of the God of Nego, Nego. You can see right off the bat what's happening. You see, these these four young men were not only stripped away from their land, from their territory, from their place of worship, and drawn into a place of captivity. But now Nebuchadnezzar and his officials are trying to strip them of their actual identity. Their identity, which is, which is even their names, are connected to uh, praise and honor and glory of the God of the heavens, of Yahweh. And, and these new names, which are the names that we're most familiar with, actually reflect A a position of of idolatry. Stripped not only of their land, but now being stripped of their identity. That's how Daniel, the book of Daniel begins, giving us this this picture. The the framework within which this this story that we're going to look at unfolds. So as you open up to Daniel chapter 3, let me explain what happens between 1 and 3. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. This dream rocks his world. Basically, the dream is of a giant statue, and the, the statue is made up of all different kinds of, of metals. and uh, And no one can explain the dream until... Daniel is brought or Belteshazzar is brought before him and I'm going to use the name Belteshazzar today because it's it's going to continue to create the reality of the circumstances they're in see Daniel is, is is too uh reflects the true identity too much this would not be Nebuchadnezzar's framework so he draws in Belteshazzar before him and Belteshazzar is able to explain the dream, and the dream is, is predictive. Uh, it's, it's talking about kingdoms that are yet to come, and it's describing the different kinds of kingdoms that are, that are going to happen. You can read all about that through chapter 2, but as chapter 2 ends, uh, Nebuchadnezzar is in awe of the God of Israel, of the God of Judah, of, of Belteshazzar's God, and so he honors Belteshazzar and 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 puts him in a in in a place in a high-ranking place and Belteshazzar grabs the hands of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and and brings them along as well so now these these newbies these 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 newbies and I'm going to say that because they 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 haven't been in captivity for long have been put in this place of authority over much of Persia this is problematic because there's those that have been serving in the regions of Persia that are frustrated by this the Chaldeans or the Chaldeans in particular but it's pronounced Chaldean that's a better pronouncement these are people that were taken into captivity way before Judah was the Chaldeans um, their, their name actually means clawed breakers, which is hilarious to me, clawed breakers. So they're just, they're, they're, they're kind of <laughs> known as these people that you know, I guess just, you know, dig up dirt, break ground. I don't, I don't know what clawed breakers is actually referring to, but that's what that name actually means. Except that while in captivity, they completely lose that identity and their identity is changed and and now it's all they're known as is astrologers, which is quite a change. By the time Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Belteshazzar shows up on the scene, the Chaldeans—that's that, what they're known for—is astrology, astronomers. You might even call them magi, which is really interesting because. When you hear the word magi, what do you think of? The nativity, right? And the magi that show up at Jesus's, or a couple years after Jesus' birth are actually from the east, Persia. See how things are tying in, okay? The Chaldeans are frustrated about this advancement, this quick advancement of these For Jews. And then verse, and then chapter 3 begins. So what does Nebuchadnezzar do? He builds a giant statue. He dreamt about it. It had nothing to do with him doing this, but he said, Well, that was a pretty good I I like the way that looks. So he builds a 90-foot statue. In case you're wondering how tall 90 feet is, the peak of this roof here is 30 feet. So triple that. a really tall statue. It's an impressive thing when you think about it. Made of gold. And he demands that everybody worships when uh, bows down and worships this giant statue when they hear the music. Everything's put together. The music starts happening and everybody bows down and worships except for Three, Daniel's not in the scene for some reason Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refuse and I, 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 I want to tell you why and, and it, it ties back to what was happening in chapter 1 you see Nebuchadnezzar stripped them of their space stripped them out of their land he strips them of their identities and then he tries to demand that they they eat the food that he's putting before them, which most of it is going to ha- have been sacrificed to whatever idols, and then it's given to the officials to eat. And they, they don't want to have anything to do with it. Uh, they draw the line. Well, I'm not going to partake of this idolatrous stuff. Instead, all we ask is that you just give us some vegetables and water, and, and we'll see how well we hold up. And, and certainly they did. So they drew the line at this stuff that was really attached to the idolatry. And, th- and this interesting, church, because what this brings before us is, is the reality that there are things that we cannot control, but then there are things that we can control. And there are things that we can control even when we are operating in, inside of a framework that we cannot control. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and and Belteshazzar draw the line. We're not doing that. So we get back to this idolatry story. Music plays. Everybody's bowing down and worshiping this giant golden idol, except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it's the Chaldeans, the astrologers, the jealous ones, the frustrated ones, come up and begin to talk in nebuchadnezzar's ear um those from judah that you put in charge are not complying with your orders nebuchadnezzar brings the three of them into his presence and says look i i I made a clear directive to everyone bow down and worship when you hear the music if not you're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace and we pick up the reading with their response Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, We want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. uh, This is obviously the crux of the story, their response. And it's a very clear and emphatic statement about deliverance, about two different kinds of deliverance. And I would suggest that there are three different kinds of deliverance they refer to two here, but there's an obvious third one. The, the first one that they mention here is that he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. This is typically the way we pray, church. Lord, keep us from evil. Keep us from harm. If we're going to talk about the fiery furnace, keep us out of the fiery furnace. Deliver us from it. Deliver us around it deliver us over however it is that you want to deliver us from the fire that is what we're asking for in church that is our normal way of praying and i would say that that is perfectly fine a perfectly great way of praying and it's a faith-filled prayer but it only reflects one kind of deliverance it's the one we prefer of course keep us from the fire they refer to a second one. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. If he doesn't deliver us from the fire and we go in and we die, we, we want you to know that ultimately this is deliverance for us as well. And Paul reiterates that in the New Testament when he says, to die is to gain. You see, we understand that our death is not an end and it's not a defeat. It's a transition into a whole new kind of life and it is attached to victory, eternal life. He can deliver us from the fire, but he can deliver us because of the fire too. Take me into the fire and if I lose my life, eternity is mine. That is a deliverance, and it is a legitimate deliverance, and it is a, it is a celebrated deliverance. Now, is it the one that we asked for? Not us. Not us Westerners. Uh-uh. I'll, I'll tell you, though, first century Christians, the first hundred years of the church, when you, do, when you do research, when you study the first hundred years of the church, I'll tell you what. They longed to die the name of Christ. They hoped for it. They wished for it. They, 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 they did what they, what they could out there, among the pagans, to try to draw that kind of trouble onto themselves. They wanted to be, like Christ. They wanted to suffer like that, on behalf of Christ. That, that's our history. Okay, that's our history, and I know we we are way removed from that. Kind of thinking again our, our prayers are typically deliver us from the fire but clearly Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have this other notion as well if he doesn't deliver us from the fire no problem he's still our God well there's a third one and the third one happens with the story so let's read it Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent And the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Deliverance from the fire does not happen. Then the king leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that were tied up and thrown into the fire? Yes, certainly, Your Majesty. Look, I see four. Unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Another in the fire. Nebuchadnezzar approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God. What? Okay. stripped them of their land. He he stripped them of their identity. Tried to force them into idolatry. And then this fiery furnace story unfolds in front of his face. And before they're even able to walk out of that fire, he's declaring the praises of the Most High God. See, sometimes takes a special kind of a darkness for the light to really shine through. One of the truly remarkable things of this story is the fact that there's a fourth in there with them. Do a little research and and you find that this isn't just an angel. And, And Nebuchadnezzar's description from his Secular point of view doesn't quite hit the mark, but it's close. He says it looks like a son of the gods when all he had to do was a justice statement. Boy, that looks like the son of God in there. And there are a few accounts in Old Testament scripture where Jesus, son of the most high God, comes and dwells and interacts, and this is one of them. This is Jesus himself descending into the fires of Nebuchadnezzar to walk around and bring deliverance, not from the fire, and not even because of the fire, but through the fire for Shadrach-Meshach. truth is, much of the time, this is the kind of deliverance that happens for us. He takes us through the fires. He doesn't leave us there, and he doesn't abandon us inside of that. Instead, he's walking right there with us. That is the truth of our God. you see, sometimes it takes a special kind of darkness for the light to really shine through. If we, had, if we were given opportunity today to pass the microphone around and begin to share testimony of our darkest times, there's no doubt in my mind where the testimony of Christ being right there with us all the way through would begin to be like a resounding word of praise. of testimony that a lost and dying world cannot describe they cannot speak to it they don't understand it how can how can a Shadrach Meshach and an Abednego even even speak those words before going into the fire we're not gonna we're not gonna participate in that Nebuchadnezzar regardless of where you have brought us to And regardless of what you want to identify us by, I don't care what you want to call me. Those are things that I cannot control. But what I can control is what I'm going to participate in or what I'm not going to participate in. Regardless of what you want to do to me, regardless of what you want to say to me, I have only one God. The rest of the world, bowing down before that idol, whispering, God, what are you doing? Get down. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. Remember, it was so hot that the soldiers trying to throw them into the fire actually died. That, that's how crazy this fire is. <laughs> they came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, royal advisors crowded around them. The, the, the people, um, some, and, and this will be some of them that were responsible for, for the, all of this drama in the first place. And they're, they're looking at them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies. Miracle. Not even a hair of their head was singed. Unreal. Their robes were not scorched, and they could not even smell the fire on them. Now, who has ever been by a campfire? A little baby campfire will drench you with the smell of smoke. There's no way to explain what they are seeing and even what they are smelling. Except that Nebuchadnezzar says it best. Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. Again, it's his secular perspective they trusted in him and they defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god therefore i decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of shadrach meshach and abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other god can save in this way Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. And again, we we, we see Nebuchadnezzar's, man, he's just like this pendulum. He just swings so wide back and forth, so reactive and so uneven. But in the the midst of this crazy story, the Most High God is honored. And, And a story where a giant statue that is even hard to fathom the height of it standing there. All eyes are turned to the creator. There was another in the fire. I uh, have no doubt there's some fires burning right now. There's some folks that are going through it. Sometimes it's because other put people put us there. Sometimes we we don't have control. over our circumstances, but we do have control over what we say or do inside of that. Free will never goes away. Some, people, some people's free will puts us into a fire. Sometimes other people's free will causes fire causes drama, causes dark times, and and even causes the darkest of times. I would say to us, again, that sometimes it takes a special kind of darkness for the light to really shine through. It is in the darkest of times that God can be the most glorified that the attention can be turned from the world to him simply because of who we are inside of the fire. And the enemy is going to try to, he's going to try to draw us away from our home. He's going to try to draw us away from our true identity. He's going to try to do these things, and he's going to try to lure us into turning away and turning into a different direction. That's what. That's what the darkness tries to do. I'm telling the truth, right? I mean, <laughs> come on. This is, this is, this is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's story. But let's just face, this is, this is human stuff. And it's not just ages ago. It's it's, it's the way it works now too the darkness tries to do these things to us but our choice our free will no matter what the free will of everybody else is happening around us our free will can come into play and we can say ah, i'm not going to do that i'm not going to do that i'm not going to do anything like that i don't care what you try to take away from me, I don't care what you even try to say about me. This is who I am. In fact, a better way to say it is this is whose I am. Ultimately, that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's response. I don't care what you're doing over here. We belong here. This is who we belong to. And sometimes, church, the darkness is so significant that that is all we have to cling to, is whose we are. With your eyes closed, just for a few moments, and I, I want to invite our worship team back up here. We're, we're going to sing that song again. There's another, there was another in the fire, and obviously you can now understand why, why we wanted to soak in that song a little bit. But with your eyes closed it, this this is the kind of story that that we all connect to okay we all have we all have times in our lives where this was our reality, but we also know there are some here today that this is a it's a reality now, and that might be you that I'm talking to or or you may have someone in your life that this reflects their world. This reflects their truth, their reality right now. I want to ask us, church, just to pray. And I might be praying for yourself. It might be praying for your neighbor. That the, the, the prayer being God awareness, Jesus awareness in the In the darkest of times, there's another in the fire, standing next to you. He will never leave you nor forsake you, regardless of what other humans do. It's not who he is. And the darkness is going to try to deceive you. It's going to try to lure you. It's going to even try to change you. Maybe today all you have is just clinging to the I am. How remarkable that in in the darkest time of Israel's history, where the Holy of Holies has been wiped out, the central central presence of God no longer um, existing as, as the Jews would understand it. How remarkable that in that season, Jesus himself descends squarely into the fire. Jesus himself. Man, Jesus, as we dialogue with you now, We are desperate for that to be our reality. I'm asking that you would give us awareness to see that that is our new normal. Regardless of what the darkness tries to say, regardless of what the darkness tries to do to us, regardless of what free will, those that are around us, end up causing our lives to be like, we cling to you, Jesus. Jesus. The author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorned its shame, and is now sitting at the right hand of the Father in heaven. That's what Hebrews 12, 3 communicates to us. And and that's, that's, if all else is stripped away from us, it is our fundamental hope. That's what we cling to today was another. stand together and sing Should this I ever need You are the one standing in the fire with us. Whether that's happening right now in our lives or or it's happening to someone in our lives that's close to us or we're just reflecting on our life's experiences, it is the testimony on our lips today. And we stand against the schemes of the enemy of our souls who will try to lead us astray, will try to strip us of our identity, and will try to cause us to do things that that are against you and who you are and what you are about. And so we just stand strong. Even in the darkest of times, allowing the light of the world to come forth. We choose you. We choose your way. We cling to you. You are our God. We are your people called by your And it is in the mighty name of Jesus, we all prayed and everybody said. I want to say a blessing over us as we leave. I just, a a, a quick reminder as you're you're heading out, if, if you were willing to help us with our VBS this year, we'd really love to know who our workers are as soon as possible. Just encourage you to check that out at the table out there and Become ministers to our kids, if, if you would. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine on you, be gracious to you. May his countenance come upon you. May he fill you with his peace. Have an amazing week walking with him. We'll see you next Sunday.